0: Welcome to Establish the Edge. I'm your host, Mike Leone, doing a solo podcast this week. You're going to go over some playoff fantasy football stuff, specifically, going to dive into the FFPC and NFFC games. For FFPC, if you played their initial game, there's nothing you can do about your lineups, but they do have a round two lineup. So, you know, we're going to go full martingale, see if we can get to even on some of these guys that dusted us in the initial contest. FFPC, with their wild, wacky game with the multipliers and whatnot and changes between each round, there are definitely some ways that you can um, j- take advantage of your start, whether it's a good start or a bad start. So I'll go over some of those. First, just want to talk general playoff stuff. If you are a subscriber at Established to Run, we have updated uh, playoff rankings and projections on site. The difficulty with the projections and rankings is twofold. Um, just some context I think people need to be aware of. First off, our default rankings and projections are position adjusted. And there's a lot of scarcity at running back. But in addition to that scarcity, uh, there are there's so much uncertainty for the playoffs. Like you'd think playoff time would come and we'd have some certainty around roles and stuff would get more condensed. But if we just go team by team, we already saw last week, you know, the the Daryl Williams, Jarek McKinnon stuff. We kind of whiffed on, and I'll talk a little bit more about that from a DFS perspective on Establish a Million this Friday morning with Gary Hartman, who's going to join me for that. But we don't know if CEH is coming back. We don't know if Daryl will see an expanded role as he gets healthier, potentially, into the playoffs. Or, I mean, I'm just wondering, what if Jarek McKinnon is this year's Leonard Fournette? You know, Leonard Fournette last year. No one plays him. Ronald Jones, kind of a surprise scratch. He plays super well and just takes full workhorse role. They go all the way to the Super Bowl for Nets highly valuable. I could see a similar situation in Kansas City with Jarek McKinnon. He looked so, so good, you know, passing the eye test. Of course, I'm not a film guy or anything, but it was tough to you just not see that Jarek McKinnon added an element to that offense. Of course, it's just one game, but even if CH comes back. If Jarek McKinnon's the lead there in case he goes to the Super Bowl, he's going to be highly valuable. So we have him up pretty high in our rankings where we're assuming CH out this week and we're assuming McKinnon as sort of like the lead dog this week and then a little bit more muddled for any potential future games. The other situation that's up in the air, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is really up in the air where I was kind of tilted last week where I got Keyshawn Vaughn at some really low ownership and some contests and we got a report right before lock, you know, first off an hour before lock that Leonard Fournette wasn't going to be activated. Uh, so scrambled to get him out of any lineups, get Keyshawn Vaughn into some, we get a report from Glazer that he's going to be a workhorse and it set it up really well for him. Like Giovanni Bernard was playing passing downs early and was scripted some stuff on the first drive, got the touchdown, but Then it was mostly Vaughn. The rest of the first half had about 14 PPR points at halftime, had the perfect script and people playing in contests where he needs to outscore teammates. You know, Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski were kind of tame, set up for the absolute smash. And then I don't know if this was the plan all the way or Giovanni Bernard just outplayed Keyshawn Vaughn, but Giovanni Bernard puts up a huge second half. Vaughn literally doesn't score a point. And Mike Evans and Gronkowski have really good second halves, especially considering the game script. So really tough run out for Vaughn there. And again, we don't know if Furnett's coming back. We have him as our top ranked player overall, because you can see how valuable that running back position is for Tampa Bay. The combination of Bernard and Keishon Vaughn scored, I don't know, 33 fantasy points, something like that, which is just nuts. And if Fournette comes back and is anywhere close to his regular season role, he's going to get that. If you're drafting teams or thinking about it right now, you know, we can't say for sure Fournette's going to be back. It's possible he's out. Um, So this is another situation to watch. And then we don't know, you know, has Bernard passed Keyshawn Vaughn? Um, It seems like if it's a split, Bernard's a more valuable back given his pass catching role. If Keyshawn Vaughn's the lead dog, though, and it was just you know Bernard was playing well and they kept him in last game, he could be pretty valuable. So, Tampa Bay situation's muddled. Kansas City situation is muddled. Uh, Let's go to Tennessee. This situation's a little muddled. And again, it's you know it's not just muddled, but it's highly impactful because running back's a little bit weak. So we get Derrick Henry up top here. He's number two in our rankings behind Fournette. You know our top two ranked guys are, are guys that come with red flags right now where we don't know how much Henry's going to play. They've been pretty tight lipped. They've been playing in a little coy of comments, make it sound like they don't even know if Henry's like cutting and stuff. I don't know how much I buy it, but Deonta Foreman played really well for Tennessee. So how much does Deonta Foreman cut into Derrick Henry? We don't know. Uh, I was talking to Justin Herzig about this and it seems like in these contests, like if you're playing an underdog, for example, where you need to advance each round, if you're playing Tennessee to the Super Bowl, you kind of have to assume Henry is playing somewhat normal. Like it, it's hard to fade that, you know, regardless of the split, because he's going to be the most valuable back if Tennessee goes to the Super Bowl. But if you're playing him to lose right away, uh, you know, I would drop him way down the rankings where it's a negative script, so the points might not be there to begin with. It's the first game back, you know, might lose some stuff to Deonta Foreman. Oh, let's go to the Rams. Now we're up to 50% of the teams with muddled running back situations. Cam Akers really, you know, outshines Sony Michelle in that wild card victory. We thought as the playoffs progressed, Akers would continue to cut into Michelle. Didn't expect the flipping to happen as quickly as it did there. So uh, I'd be pretty high on Cam Akers. I think he's a really good contrarian play in some of these contests. What's round two FFPC or the nffc if you're you're somewhat desperate where if you play for that upset i just don't think people are going to be on it like i think people are excited for acres but they're going to fall short of making that play i know for nffc last year going back to that leonard fournette situation he had that huge first game and then people didn't really add him the second week so i think there's some opportunities with like acres and mckinnon on NFFC, where they have hype, but people are afraid to buy into it. Where if you buy into the hype before the market, you know you can get paid off there. Especially if the you know the bracket breaks correctly for you. So, yeah, running backs a little bit of a mess. We know Green Bay, of course, is just you know split to begin with, but we do feel pretty good that Aaron Jones is ahead of Dylan, particularly in pass catching. Um, the ones that are pretty set would be you you Buffalo, San Francisco, and Cincinnati. Look like they've all gone to pretty straight workhorse backs. You know, you've got Joe Mixon, Samaj P. Ryan's going to play a little bit. Uh, I took an, definitely taking an L on Devin Singletary, where I was pretty down on him in these contests, especially for FFPC, where I thought it'd be really hard for him to separate from Allen and from Diggs. So I I just thought he had to thread a fine needle, but I did underestimate his odds of going from like 80% of the running back snaps to. 95 to 100. Like Devin Singletary played every running back snap for Buffalo with the exception of garbage time, quite frankly, for Buffalo. Uh, but yeah, Mitchell's strong for San Francisco. He's definitely up there. But another guy who might not be played a ton uh, in these contests just because people are playing San Francisco to lose. So that's, you know, that could still end up contrarian. And I do like contrarian spots where you have to be right once, not twice. We talk about that a lot with San Francisco. You know, you just need to be right that San Francisco wins to kind of be right on Elijah Mitchell. Some of these other situations, you need to be right that the team wins, and then you need to be right that, like, the volume's allocated appropriately. You know, think Giovanni Bernard and and Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, CB points out Bill's McKenzie situation. That's the muddled wide receiver one. Cole Beasley was last in snaps for Buffalo among the wide receivers last week. McKenzie showed his speed. Uh, Gabe Davis played really the clear number two with McKenzie Sanders and Beasley split. So that's why we have Gabe Davis pretty aggressively ahead of, you know, the rest of the the secondary wide receivers for Buffalo. It's possible Beasley drops even further. We're somewhat conservative here where like they could do whatever they wanted on a given week. But Beasley also barely played in the Kansas City game earlier this year. And that was when he was their clear slot guy. You know, they just did something different personnel wise. So definitely a little shy on Beasley. This also brings me to my other point that's difficult uh, with doing the projections rankings is you get to a certain point. These are positionally adjusted for scarcity, but you get to a point where some of these Bills wide receivers like McKenzie, for example, you know, he's projected for you know, 12 fantasy points and we have Derek Gore ranked ahead of him, projected for four through the positional scarcity. You get to a certain point where you should not be looking at the positional scarcity. Uh, you should be looking at the raw points. And that's why we have it, so you can sort on raw points, you can sort on points per game, and kind of think through through some of these things. So, um, that's my little spiel on like just general outset and particularly the running back position. But uh, I want to go to FFPC, and Hoagie starts off with: Should we be looking at the initial FFPC ownership when making around two lineups? How much do you think it changes? I think actually, I'm going to hold off answering that. First, I need to tilt, you know, establish the edge, nice name for a show, but we're going to establish the tilt. I did a ton of lineups in the round one contest with the ship chasing guys, Ben Gretsch, Pat Crane, Peter Overset, also had Drew Dinkmeyer in our group helping to make some, make a bunch of lineups, really. And God, the bracket, the way it broke was all chalk wins. The only upset is the upset that, the market was, in our opinion, overconfident on in San Francisco over Dallas. So our teams are kind of shattered. You know, kind of got nut low outcomes from Najee Harris, CD Lamb, Zach Ertz, some of these guys where it's just really hard to overcome in your lineup. But I will say for round two, the upside of things going so poorly is a lot of these highly owned players the leverage is going to be even higher. You know, the my flag plant would be George Kittle here. It's just absurd. Um, I'm going to make this a little bit bigger so you guys can see. But we saw in the round one contest, Debo Samuel coming at like 63% and Kittle coming in the mid-teens and Mitchell low. And with the way that game played out for San Francisco, Debo is going to be just as chalky. Mitchell is probably the clear two then ahead of Kittle. I mean, Kittle is just such a good play because not only could he be the best of the three with the tight end premium scoring, he could separate in an absolutely insane way. So I think that's an interesting angle where, like, you know, you you want you don't want to not learn from your mistakes, but it's a one week sample. Things happen, and to me. All of the spots where I saw leverage going into round one, it's almost like just a better risk reward dynamic round two. So I'd throw T Higgins into that mix where everyone's gonna play Chase and Mixon. Like that was already kind of the case. Round one results are, are just gonna push people further to that. Uh another one would be Kansas City. Tyree Kill was the clear three behind Mahomes and Kelsey. Well, you know, we're just gonna see him be even further behind those guys, and he's a huge separator. And I think it's really important. Like, like those are the leverage plays you can make like guys that are alphas that can separate in a huge way. I'd much rather do that than play, you know, the quote unquote riffraff, you know, taking chances with Odell Beckham and guys like that. I thought maybe made more sense for the round one contest, but even with the condensed rosters, it's kind of absurd. The amount of leverage you can get in the round two contest for FFPC. So um, someone asks, where can I see the ownership from round one Uh, fantasy mojo? has that he's got all the FFPC data. I believe it's at fantasy mojo on Twitter, but he's got all that stuff. So those are some of the clearest angles to me is like Kelsey Higgins, Tyreek. I think Buffalo is interesting where I, I honestly, like I said, I'm taking the L on Singletary. I said he was a terrible FFPC play. And right now, you know, some of the only outs on teams I have all my Allen teams like are, are constructed just in a way where they have a dead body. I have a Mahomes team with Singletary, one of the few Singletary I played that's kind of live. And he does look like he could thread that needle where he could be in the optimal in a Kansas City victory over Buffalo uh, this round. I will say like round two again, though, like I think he's a little overrated where Stefan Diggs is, I mean, let's say 60-40 in favor of Singletary. Like you're going to get more than 60-40 with the ownership being on Singletary, especially with how bad running back is. Like Diggs is not going to be played. Allen and Mahomes are going to be massive, um, so that's interesting. I think the opposite for, for Kansas City, if you really wanted to take a swing, again, I would go back to the Jarek McKinnon thing, where you play the Josh Allen Buffalo victory, he separates at quarterback, and then you play McKinnon as the next two. Um, do you think Acres will be more or less rostered than Odell? I'm not really sure. I think it'd probably be about even. I think they'll be pretty low. Yes, and Chris points out to me, got to be fun for your only live lineup to need Casey over Buffalo. It's absolute max pain for sure. Um, The other, so quarterback too, I did want to look at. Another interesting angle to me is if you play like Tyreek and Diggs or something like that, like no one's going to play Tyreek and Diggs. Like you could be unique uh, playing Tyreek and Diggs. Take either Burrow or an NFC quarterback uh, is somewhat interesting. If you're playing the NFC quarterback, I think it has to be Brady because I don't think Rodgers can separate from Adams enough. I don't think Stafford can separate from Cup enough. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo has enough of a raw ceiling, but Brady could spread it out in a Tampa Bay Super Bowl victory where if you play like a Tampa Bay Cincinnati Super Bowl, maybe not the most likely of outcomes, but you could almost play like the optimal lineup from a Tampa Bay uh, Super Bowl. And it'd be really interesting. I am curious to see what happens if Fournette plays, if he'd be under or over-owned where people, I think because of the running back spots, we wouldn't get the discount I'm hoping we'd get, but I think he'd be a smash. Like maybe because Evans and Gronk did so well round one, we'll get a smash, but that's sort of my breakdown of FFPC. You know, I think I wouldn't get cute with Adams and cop. Like, I think that's the chalk I'm most likely to eat. We could have, you know, cop in a loss, get outscored by Odell or acres. We could have Adams in a loss, get outscored by Aaron Jones. Uh, I think those things like, aren't stupid by any means. I just, I just, I mean, between Diggs, T Higgins, Tyree Kittle, like my God, there's a lot you can do there. Even Elijah Mitchell getting funky at running back. Uh, it's, it's just really interesting. AJ Brown over Derrick Henry. The tough part is going to be like, you do have to play two running backs. So you're going to have to eat those spots. So I do kind of wish for nuts back and I'd eat a spot with Fournette and, and kind of get weird with other things. So I think that's the, you know, the primary takeaways for me uh, for, for FFPC. Charlie Nunn says Aaron Jones, 3D Island game coming can we call them island games if they're all island games i don't know i guess we can okay now we get to the real galaxy brain which is nffc so you know i still think there's a lot of good takeaways from the nffc podcast chris vaccaro and i did last week so if you're unfamiliar with the game well if you're unfamiliar with the game this is useless because that means you haven't entered and uh you can't enter you you would have had to already enter Um, but i still think there's some good takeaways if you are entered to listen to that the tough part with nffc is there's a lot of difficult parts one is figuring out like where if your dead are alive because some of the teams that are high on the leaderboard are really poorly constructed which doesn't mean you're in that bad of a spot uh and it might seem like you are and you're not and like you really especially in this multiplier contest people aren't going to be perfect even mistakes like Having T Higgins instead of Jamar Chase, uh, you're really drawing thin in FFPC with that. And NFFC, because you've got the multipliers, you know, T Higgins, let's say you think they win this week, Higgins 2X this week, 3X next week, like he could outscore Chase by five, two consecutive weeks when he's right there, you know? So just be aware that you do have some, and same thing with like Kittle over Debo, like you can... Some of these shots you might have taken that didn't work out round one can still come to fruition and work round two. The other difficult part, at least for me, I'm going to pull up one of my teams. Um, So I want to focus on this quadrant here, week one, and then I'm going to get into showing you guys how I plotted out one of my teams. I had three Allen teams. I did one with Kyler, one with Dak. I Galaxy Brained one with Mahomes, which might seem like a mistake. I kind of got the nut outcome week one with the huge Allen Mahomes scores and having them be, you know, pretty spread out. Um, and I do think, and I'll show you how I I'm planning on making this work, but the difficult part for me on a lot of my teams is the way the bracket broke with no upsets except the San Francisco Dallas one. Yeah, I'm replacing running back and defense. And the guys I want high multipliers in the Super Bowl that I want to be adding in week two are wide receivers or tight ends. And I can't do that. So um that's that that's gonna be it's difficult to figure out who to replace. And I think a lot of other people be in the same spot where they need to replace running backs and not receivers, and that almost like will back you into. The wrong team. So, if you're playing from ahead, I think like adding Aaron Jones is, is a move at running back. Like if we get Jones and Fournette, I think those two are so good, and you can kind of play the chalk on the NFFC. I'm planning on adding Singletary for Buffalo. That's the chalk move. I think Mitchell's fine. So if you if you feel in a really good spot, I think you're actually okay with the running back stuff. What's difficult is if you're playing a Casey. Win team, you want to be adding Kelsey or Tyreek. So there's two options you have. One option is you add Jarek McKinnon at running back, which is going to be low owned and like really intriguing, but you're going to need McKinnon to be the guy in the Super Bowl at three acts too, like not just this week. So there's risk there. The other thing, and I was talking to Davis Maddock about this just in our Slack chat. Do you at any point burn? A two x multiplier generally would never drop a two x multiplier, but do you drop the two x multiplier? You know, in this case, maybe it's T Higgins for me. Do you drop that two x multiplier and add Tyree Kill or Kelsey, knowing that if Casey doesn't make the Super Bowl, you're dead anyways. If Casey does make the Super Bowl, you're going to need that multiplier started. So. I don't think I'm there where I'm going to do that on a team. I'm just not sure if the math works out. Uh, And I also think like there's more ways to like, as the contest goes on, get real contrarian, especially if there's upsets and stuff where, you know, I might want to keep T Higgins on multiplier and like have him real low owned going into things. So, but that, that is an option. Um, So what I have set up here though, well, first, I should say too, I do think still you want to work Super Bowl out. So, like go to your Super Bowl, figure out who you want at what multipliers it's still possible. Your four best Super Bowl players from each team that you're assuming wins, and back out of it. And also you can see if you can layer in some optionality. What kills me with this bracket is I really lose a lot of optionality on some of my teams. I did a Kyler team, a Dak team. They're both done. Um I've really got to kind of basically pick my Super Bowl teams and go from there. However, one way I'm treating this contest that I might do now, kind of depending on Fournette's situation, is adding Akers and Elijah Mitchell on opposite sides of the bracket in the NFC. Hoping I get an upset from one of them and having Alan Mahomes play each other, knowing I'm going to have to replace a quarterback replacing whichever team wins with their quarterback. So there's a couple of ways this strategy works for me. One is if we get San Fran or the Rams to the Super Bowl, I'm going to survive not having Jimmy or Stafford at like 3x or 4x because people just aren't going to do that. Again, you go back to the ownership percentages which you can see you know under the stats tab, stats if you click on stats. Start percentage. You go back to week nineteen. You can see it. If you look at quarterback. Jimmy's one percent, and he's like not really going to separate much, anyways. Stafford's four percent. Everybody has cup. and I don't see them getting added much this week either. People are probably going to add Brady. They're going to add Rogers on their team, and Rogers started out chalky. So I feel like I can't play a Rogers Super Bowl. You know, you could play the Adams Alpha game in the Super Bowl, but. Yo, Rodgers at 4X in the Super Bowl, I think would be tough to overcome. So if I'm playing from behind, I think I'm playing Green Bay to lose one of these two games. So yeah, if I add Mitchell Akers, I add in the optionality right away to just play the NFC team to win. And then what I can do next week, just play one of the upsets. I add the San Francisco LA quarterback. I add digs on my Buffalo side. I commit to Buffalo winning. This is where I would have liked to have the optionality for Buffalo or Kansas City to win, but because it broke, I have to commit to Buffalo. I'm going to commit to Buffalo winning, add my digs. You know, then I'll be able to replace either Debo or Cup or like whoever loses. There's going to be a receiver spot open. There's going to be two receiver spots open and a kicker spot. Kicker spot, I will play you know, whoever i'm planning to lose in the NFC championship game so it's probably like green bay tampa bay kicker it could also be you know cincinnati tennessee kicker and then no matter how it breaks out like i'm as long as one of the rams san francisco make the super bowl i'm pretty much going to be lined up to get my 1x 2x 3x 4x from those teams in the super bowl And again, I can add like Kittle in the Super Bowl if it's San Francisco at 1x. He's only 4%. So not having him on multiplier is not going to kill me. And again, like no one's going to have Jimmy. So I might, I can get a unique Super Bowl team with almost the nut Bills construction plus the banked Mahomes team. So that's kind of what I'm going for. You know, I have some other teams that like I haven't plotted out yet, but you can see like I'm in real trouble with like this Kyler team where you know, I might just add, I don't I'm not even sure what I'm gonna do because I'm I'm just really in trouble. Like I might play San Francisco Super Bowl right off the bat and play Jimmy here. I don't think I can add Rogers. I just I think I'm in a tough spot. Um I don't know though. We'll see. I have to decide basically can a Rogers or Brady team win at the three X multiplier. I think a Brady team could because he's a little bit lower owned. You're going to have more outs Brady at 15% versus Rogers at 40. I suppose the flip side to that is the Rogers out is just Adams outscores him. But again, keep in mind your NFFC scoring one point per 20 yards passing six points per passing TD, just really tough for that quarterback to, uh to get outshined, you know, over the duration of the playoffs. So those are some of the things I'm looking at. Again, if you're looking to get different, a lot of the same guys like wide receiver, tight end. Tyreek Hill was 13, percent you know that's crazy. Kelsey was 30, and it's not even tight end premium. So, if you're looking to add a Kansas City pass catcher, I think it's got to be Tyreek Hill. You know, like that's nuts to me in non-tight end premium that Kelsey went two x. So, you got you want to be adding Tyreek Hill in round two, not Travis Kelsey if you're on a Mahomes team. Just make logical decisions like that. You know, you want, if you're playing from behind, you didn't have Debo, Debo 71% and Kittle's four play Kittle. If you're playing Cincinnati to advance, T Higgins is five, you know, and with the outcome again, just like FFPC, people aren't adding him. They're adding chase. They're adding Mixon. play T Higgins like these spots that let's say they're worse than coin flips. Let's say the market's in right. And we're wrong. Even if they're 60, 40. Playing the lower owned guy is the correct move. Running back Mixon just so highly owned, um, and that's where I think too. You know that my my Mahomes Allen team. I'm going to sacrifice kind of like not having a Titan or a Bengal in the AFC Championship game. Let's say the Bills win. I'm right. I'm definitely seeding points to Cincinnati, Tennessee in that AFC Championship game. I'm just hoping it doesn't burn me too bad and they lose. I'm doing that to have the optionality on the, the NFFC side. Someone asked. So if we start with Devonte lineup in general, we should be fading Rogers. I think it, I think it really depends like how clean of a start you have. And like, how, if you're feeling good about things set up, you know, if you had a really good start um, I think it's, and again, I, I don't want to overrate like how good of shape the field is in because I I think the way the running back spots broke like everyone's in a little bit of trouble. If you played Najee and Zeke, like that's tough. You seeded a lot of points. You got to replace those. But I think Devonte can still outscore Rogers. I was just surprised at how much Rogers was owned. Um. But yeah, like if you played a DAC team, so like I have a DAC team, right? Dak actually scored okay. Dak score is okay. I have Tyreek Hill leverage here. I have George Kittle leverage that I need to maximize. Mike Evans ended up being the right Tampa Bay guy to start. I got killed at running back, but kind of like everyone did and I replaced it. Like This is a team where I'm unsure if I'm going to go Rodgers or not. It's kind of up in the air. I guess the issue for me is... If I had to choose between Rodgers and Brady, given the ownership, I think Brady's the better add. Um, but I don't think you're you're necessarily drawing dead with Adams over Rodgers to go to a Rodgers team uh, because of Devonte Adams' unique target share. Now, that's a similar reason why, you know, you could add Stafford in round three and be okay with Cup teams. So I would play for that optionality. That like worst case scenario you've got backdoor outs with San Francisco and the Rams where you don't need to have started their quarterback early. So I know that didn't answer your question super clearly, but there, there are definitely some, some outs there. All right. I think I went over most of what I wanted to go over again, running backs, just kind of difficult, as far as what you're going to do, I assume Singletary is going to be a super popular ad. I would love to be able to add digs instead of Singletary. I just don't have the spots. Um. So yeah. Uh, th- but the Furnette stuff's really going to kind of shake things up for me. So hope that helped. And I'll probably do, I might do a podcast next week on the NFFC round three. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll kind of see. I'm not sure how useful it would be at that point. At that point, you kind of, your bed's kind of made. I guess I would just say after this week going into round three, yeah, you might have to go all in on something contrarian if you're behind and just and think through like the ownership percentages, the multipliers people have, guys at, and you're kind of going with the team that gives you the best leverage. Like if this team makes the Super Bowl, can I win? I guess is what I'm asking. Um, and one last thing, Uh So Kyle says, I feel like I over leveraged FFPC given how the chalk broke. We were talking with the amount of lineups we made on FFPC. It could take years. I mean, this is, this isn't like DFS. We get 20 cracks at it throughout the year, right? We get one crack at it and it's going to be hard next year. But you know, two years ago, Kittle was massive chalk, went to the Super Bowl and wasn't in the optimal Michael Thomas, 14 point home favorite, massive chalk lost round one, scored 14 points. Lamar Jackson, massive, massive chalk, lost his very first round, one and done. So I think people underplay bracket chaos in FFPC. And this year the bracket broke, not only did the the bracket broke perfectly, and then all like the the coin flips broke perfect for the chalk too. Uh, Debo Kelsey or Debo Kittle early, Tyreek Kelsey early, all those spots. So it's easy to feel like you over leveraged I don't necessarily think that means you played bad. I do think you want to limit, like we played some Jacoby Myers teams. And of course, to add the tilt, Kendrick Bourne as Kyle had also, uh, has had said, obviously Kendrick Bourne was the play. Like we played some Myers teams. Like if we had Bourne, we would have had some outs. I do think you want to be careful playing too many of like the really thin plays where you're like, Oh, well, you know, maybe Van Jefferson could beat Cooper cup in a loss. And like, you don't even gain that many points. So I'm pretty happy with playing it pretty leveraged, but yeah, if five out of six favorites win, and the one favorite that loses is the trendiest upset pick of the week, yeah, you know, you're just gonna have to take your L. We we just got hit by the chalk in, in a lot of ways, and you know, tough, tough, tough scenes for sure. All right, thank you everybody for tuning in, watching this. If you're listening on the podcast, please rate, review us on iTunes. It helps a lot. YouTube as well, subscribe to the channel, give it a like. And it helps us keep doing these for free. Thanks so much. We will, uh, I'll see you next week.